Welcome to episode three of the Amp Studio podcast. My name is Craig Sheridan. I'm a senior engineer and music technology trainer at ampstudio.com. I'm also the skills support coach for givinghandsmusic.com. I'm with Sean McDonald, songwriter and music producer for the band Search Party and station manager at radioymp.com. Before the world changed, we engineered the recording and mixing sessions at Amp Studio and now we're removed from the studio spares their homes. So this podcast is for us music heads to get a catch up and exchange technique and exchange tips and talk about plugins and all manner of things that entertain and interest us to do with music production. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we're streaming on it um, and catch us where you can. If you've any music production related questions, you can send them to craig at ampsstudio.com or leave a comment wherever you find this podcast. I was talking to Jack during the week and Jack had said that sometimes he listens to the Blame Boy podcast and he says Hi. one of the things that he does sometimes he talks about the music but he talks about it from a this is what an explanation point of view more than uh, a technical point of view just to kind of demystify the process as you said demystify what they are like something like you know AI mixing you know like yeah. all the the isotope stuff yeah. or all the auto-tune type things not exactly going in and showing people how you use it but just explaining oh, what they it. are oh, yeah, and yeah. how they operate yeah. you know so this is another tool that you need to be aware of rather than this is uh-huh. how to use the tool all right so um well that's a that's a, a a very accessible option because even for people who are down the line and mixing and have done a lot of mixing there's always new technology coming out that you have to yeah. relearn and then the skill up on and i would so all that stuff like all the ice stuff stuff, I was like, how the hell does that work? You know, like, yep. or, you know, will that be any good or what, you know, what? So when I actually, it took me a while to actually look into that and see, yep. like, what way that works and how I can, how I could filter that into my. Did you use it? You know, I do use it. Um, I sort of use, especially Ozone for, yep. um, like, a starting point. Yeah. When I'm like sort of finishing a project, to sort of get an idea where where it's going to end up, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. So I know right, that's what way that's going to come out in the master, like around that sort of thing. So to go back then and say yeah, I need and to fix the mix there, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have just the, to give me an idea. I have the isotope suite actually, so I used neutron. Uh, can I extensively to try and work out where uh, how I could use it, and it works very well as a channel strip to give you a sense. It, it makes everything seem more open and more clear and less cluttered. And um, yeah, one thing I always thought though is I wouldn't have arrived at that myself. That's not my taste. That's kind of it's doing a better job than I may do in some things. But that's mm-hmm. not how I would place that thing in the mix anyway. So it's always that double-edged sword of uh, if I do use this. It'll give me, it'll put me to a certain place that I wouldn't have got to make my own decisions, um, and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad because then sometimes it leads me down a road that I haven't supported so far, um, and sometimes throws up more options or, or a different direction and kind of derails the mix sometimes. Um, yeah, it, it is a very interesting concept, um, and I did I did do one mix one time where I put it on all channels and just hit auto and seeing how it worked out, um, and it was. It was what is that? That's actually like the that that's what that. Um, that one's meant for, yeah, isn't it? Like the ha- to use it with RX and just to let it go across all the channels. But most people I've seen use it, you know, on YouTube and stuff, mm-hmm. have seen to use it in that channel strip setting as well. Yeah, it's sort of like a dad plan for your <laughs> for your tracks. <laughs> just slims everything down. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
And I suppose that, that gives you like very kind of contemporary and up and sound, if that's what you're going for. So if you're making kind of future-based pop, then sweet, go for it. But I always think a wee bit of kind of harmonic saturation and distortion, making it sound a bit yeah. more kind of grungy in certain places. Um, and even though I have it, I very seldom use it. Um, because I have other channel strips. Like if I'm using, if I'm in mix mode, then that channel strip is not the channel strip that gets me the character that I want for the end of the mix. If that makes sense. So um, yeah. my most frequently used channel strip is the SSLE series um, from Waves. It's it doesn't take any hardly any resource, and it's, the EQ on it sounds fantastic. Um, and the compressor is just enough to keep things in check. Uh, and the more you use it, the quicker you get a sound out of it. Um, I remember doing a coaching session with a fellow one time. And he had a, a drum kit and two EQ moves, and this, this whole drum kit sounded completely different. There was weight in the kick, and there was cracking in the snare, and it completely changed the whole content of his drums. And he was delighted with it. Um, although that only took about three minutes, so I had to kind of fill the next seven minutes explaining why I had done that. <laughs> just to get a <laughs> just the first time. <laughs> um, but that that SSL channel is absolutely outstanding. What would be your channel strip then? What do you use? Um. I don't know. I, I sort of uh, go through. I, I probably shouldn't because it takes up a lot of CPU. But I just sort of have really filled up inserts, you know. Right. Like, um, but I try and do as little processing as possible as mm-hmm. at the same time. Right. Um. So at times I have loaded up one of those channel strip inserts just to have the whole lot. But I also like having more control with the EQ, so I like using fab filter stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having that um dynamic EQ yeah. and stuff. So then using that with the channel strip as well is gonna mm-hmm. be like massive, like bulky, like drain on power. So if I just need a bit of um tightness and then a bit more or control over the EQ, then I'll just use the fab filter mm-hmm. and anything else, you know, anything extra then and on top of that. But then if um, it's something else, then if I need to do a lot to it, then yes, I'll open up like a channel strip uh, plug-in right. on that. Yes, the, 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 that SSL one from Waves is good. Mm-hmm. Um, what other ones? Um like, but but for the, I think for the most part, as it says, I, I would m- open up like a compressor from one place, and then use like um, just a channel EQ on Logic. Mm-hmm. Um, use a different reverb, use a different delay, and I just uh, I end up always having um, the thing freeze on me. But um, <laughs> that's how you know you're I doing the well <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, I, I remember um, working in a similar way but I often find that in the circumstance where I'm doing that where I'm loading up um, every slot in the plugin it's because I'm, I'm sound designing or I'm trying to get a tone or I'm trying to get a, the sound to a place so I'm not necessarily in that mixing mode yet I'm still in the kind of creative zone um, and that's mm-hmm. why the whole kind of separating them three things was a, a, a feature of the last podcast too because um, oftentimes if you go to mix that and you're already maxed out well you can't mix it so you have to bounce it out anyway but I find if you're doing that much work to a sound where you're in, you know you're covering three or four bases with different plugins then you're still sculpting the sound to where you want to hear it rather than it being a finished sound ready to mix um, 
but uh, I and that's the thing about the about the, the 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 AI type stuff because it's not it's there as an assist, so it's there to kind of start. It's a good kind of starting point, um, but it doesn't see, it doesn't give me character. It helps me clean out unwanted stuff. So it's handy if you're on the third check. It's almost like a premix pre-mix assistant um, in my opinion where I can get you to a place where you can analyze what's going on without having to spend the time to go through it obviously you're going to have to spend the time afterwards to make sure it's not doing anything to take away from the quality um, but nine times out of ten it makes things sound more open and spacious and lighter and less bulky anyway like like you said at that plan I thought it was brilliant yeah. Um, um, yeah and especially with vocals as well vocals are one of them things that it's hard to get the sound that's in your head right. to come through. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of those AI-assisted ones are good at, if you're working on vocals and putting too much time into it, then you can go, that you know, they're, they're basing that, um, that mix that they're putting on, uh, that process on thousands of other recordings. So if you've yeah. got this idea in your head, more than likely, it's going to be close to you know a popular recording mm-hmm. of before. So if you're loading that up on the your vocal track, if you're not getting anywhere with it, and that's it, that's often the the place I, I find myself in, is you know loading up like a modern type sound on the vocals, and then seeing what they have done to it. Yep. You know, it'll show you what type of EQ it's added, um, what type of you know whether it was an op- optical compressor or whatever or whether they're putting some sort of tube saturation on it mm-hmm. and you're sort of getting the tinker each wee bit of that or you can just go and put your own sort of um just redo recreate what they've done and add your own sort of space to it which is handy um absolutely so we, we get into a wee bit about ai there um also on my list of things to talk about this week um is AI separation of stems from stereo recordings. Have you heard about this? Um, no. Right. So um, there's a couple of companies that are Isotope RX. Just on the topic of of Isotope, I got their bundle about two years ago. But it's one of those things that every every program is so comprehensive, it maybe takes you like four or five months to get into what the program actually does properly. So I finally got around to kind of really learn RX, and RX is a fantastic piece of software. It's used to remove noise, it's used to correct audio. It's a really top-end um, cinema standard noise plugin that makes things sound much cleaner, much ready to go, much more ready to go. There's a feature in it because it's called Music Rebound, and I think they've actually imported that to the new Isotope Ozone name. Um, and yeah. in Music Rebound, yeah. you can put turn the vocal up better, turn the bass down better, take the drums out. In RX7, mm-hmm. you can turn those all off, which is actually um, you can make acapellas then from stereo recordings where you can turn in their sounds. And there's all sorts of digital artifacts that come off us because the technology is still fairly new. But embedded in a mix, it's hard to tell that it's been processed in that way. It, sometimes it gets it better than other times, mind you. Um, but Isotope are the only ones to do this. Um, I have another piece of software called Regroover. Um, I can't remember who Regroover's by. I'll, I'll put it in the link. Um, but Regroover lets you do the same thing with loops. So if you have a drum loop, you can rebalance the elements in the loop. So you can maybe turn the shaker down, turn the kick up, or turn the snare up, or make the clap less bright. Or, uh, not less bright, sorry, less loud. Uh, you can turn the volume up and down. And you can do that from within the, the stereo channel. RX lets you do it on the whole um, 
uh, started recording. So if you have a, a recording from the 60s, let's say a, a, a Motown song, and you wanted to take the drums and the bass of it, you could do that and isolate the vocal. Um, and my instant thinking for that was just trying to just get in hip hop samples, it's going to be outstanding. Um, yeah. Also, websites. Now I think I did. Um, yeah, because yeah, I've seen um, that being mentioned around and that's what I was going to say is where's the practical examples of where that could be used in the future. But as you said, it's probably going to be extensively used for, you know, sort of really rare um, songs from the past to be remastered, yes. um, to be remixed. And yes. then, as you said, for sampling, it is going to be a game changer as well. Yes. So if you have like um, if you've got an arcade recording, even if you've got an old mix from a, a hard drive that died years ago, but you managed to salvage um a, a, some sort of data recovery, and you didn't get the project, but you've got the two track, um, with the stereo bounce, and you realise that those drums are too quiet or that bass is too loud or you can hardly hear that vocal, you can go in and this gives you tweaks now. In all honesty, you get about two to four decibels of difference, and that is a big, big change within a stereo recording. After that, then anything more or less than that, though, starts to give you artifacts that are, are especially noticeable. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a, there's a lot of application for for even pulling things apart. So what you can actually do as well on that, that Moses website, when you, you log in your register, there, you upload the, the sound, it splits it and then it lets you download each of the stems. So you can then rebalance it independently too and you can process each of the channels independently. But each of the channels always sound like, um, there's always, there's always the only thing I can where to describe it is digital ghosting where you hear glitches and stuff in the background where the other there's other audio information. It's a bit like bleed when you hear bleed coming in through microphones, which is just uh, sound that other the microphones picking up that it shouldn't it isn't pointed at. So it's those kind of frequency glitchy bits that um, are so close to the original sound source that you can't really get rid of them. Now embedded into the mix again, they're not an issue, but if you use them in isolation, they're very they're very very obvious. Um, but it's it's a fun thing to kind of look at and to go in and, and to um, experiment with and see how you can pull tools. There's also a Max for Live device for anybody who's using the sweet version of Ableton that does the same thing where you open it up and put it on the track and it'll split it into independent stems for you too. So that's massive in the world of remixing or sampling or really what I wanted to do is steal drum grooves and I don't know how how much you're aware of that but we in Ableton and in most music software these days um, you can load in a drum file and then using the timing and the volume you can take the groove which is the velocity how hard the instruments hit yeah. according to how loud it is and when it's headed along the grid so if it's ahead of the grid it's kind of feeling rushed and if it's behind the grid it's feeling lazy and you can get a kind of a swing from that and i was thinking by you know taking these drum grooves we can or isolating those tracks we can get a more um clear drum groove to then apply on the midi program stuff to make it feel more natural That'd be cool. That'd be so, really cool. Give a bit of more of a human sort of feel to yeah. like electronic music and stuff as yeah, well. That'd be brilliant. It reminds me of like um, <laughs> when I was younger, like trying to um, isolate vocals when you could get stems right. um, from tracks, and you're you're trying to get the acapella versions of of songs yeah. to put over the top of your dubstep <laughs> tracks. <laughs> like, uh, do you know about um, the reverse phase track? I had some of those going to say. So okay. you used to load it up in, in Audacity, try and reverse the phase and stuff, try yep. and get the vocals out. And, and I was, it was never worked properly for me. Um, I always just gave up. But right. I would have loved having a piece of software like that to be able to completely rip the vocals out. 
Well, it, it does it in the same way that that reverse phase thing does, and that's what I think it is. Um, uh, it's okay. a very sophisticated way of doing that. So if you've heard it done wrong, it, it has that kind of glitchy, grainy quality that sounds a wee bit rubbish. It's kind of the same idea. Um, but still, I mean, it's enough if you're doing a, a remix or if you're doing something for the crack or if you're doing something purely for the sport of it. Um, taking that acapella at that quality mightn't be a big deal. I mean, I remember a, a Kate and Andrew remix of um, Pharrell Williams' Happy. It was a real kind of bumpy glitchy electronic wobbly thing um and it was such mm -hmm. a lovely remix but he had clearly done the reverse thing and ripped that vocal himself um and yeah. threw it over the top of it you know and it was an interesting enough remix that you could play it because people knew it but it was still weird enough that it wasn't popping so you could play it in circumstances where um there's a song that people know but that's not necessarily a top 40 song that you're playing on people um yeah but the, the quality of the vocal on it was 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 Less than ideal, let's say. Um, so there's less of things, but uh, which brings me to the next point, Sean. Uh, software, there's stacks of software going for free at the minute. Um, uh, loads and loads and loads of stuff. Are you familiar with Valhalla? I am. Uh, I would use the Valhalla reverbs. I, I think who who out there isn't like making use of the the vintage reverbs and stuff from Valhalla. They're unbelievable. Probably the like the top of the game at the minute in terms of reverbs. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I turned the Valhalla plug on and didn't think, oh, <laughs> that, that's it, money. Uh, they've got three free plugins going on at the minute, and we'll put the links below. Uh, but the first one is their frequency delay, freak delay, which has been free for a long time, but it's still absolutely outstanding. Uh, you put the source in, you can repitch that, and then you can delay the pitches. Absolutely fantastic wonderful for automating and getting weird, weird sounds. Um, super massive is their new reverb. Now, I don't know the Supermassive as soon as I heard of it, but I actually haven't had a minute to get in it and get experimenting with it. I extensively use uh, Valhalla Room um, for everything, for, for plates and yeah. for rooms, obviously. Um, but it's always on my autoload. Uh, and then they have a new one again called Space Modulator, which is a, a fancy flanger plugin, um, which I just downloaded before we started this conversation, so I'm looking forward to playing with that too. Uh, but like you say, they're they're so clean and they're so contemporary sounding, and even even the classic stuff is a really good representation of that feeling um, without it getting too noisy or grainy or cost a lot of money. I think that they're $50 each to buy, which is, if I'm not mistaken, about, say, 40 quid. Um, thereabouts. Mm -hmm. um, and Focusrite, if you've any Focusrite gear, um, if you register with Focusrite, they do a monthly thing where they give you free software from their partners. Did you know about this? No, hadn't heard about that, no. Are you using the Focusrite sound card? No, I use an Akai sound card. Oh, is it, it, it a big red one? Did I get that confused? Yeah, the, um, Yes, so if you've got, um, I have a, a Liquid Mix, which is a, a external DSP software that, that has um, sample oh. hardware in it. Um, and I register that, and every month then they send you updates. But they're constantly sending stuff where um, it's their partners, they'll send you an email to say you can go and use this discount code and get the money off this piece of software and download for free. Uh, they're doing loads of stuff like that at the minute. Obviously, this is being recorded just after the 4th of July weekend. There was all sorts of sales on, on plugins over the weekend too. And I know that uh, pluginboutique.com are doing a Reason Light. If you buy any anything from the shop, you get Reason Light for free. Um, they've previously also given away like, Isotope, Isotope Ozone 9 Light for free too, if you buy anything. And it could be, it can be like a sample pack or it can be a plug-in. Um, but I did see that Dan Seacroft from the um, Northern Ireland Audio Forum had posted up about a tape machine that was like 
seven dollars or something that he was raving about as a JST plugin. And he said, like, if you buy that, you get reason free. So you can do plugins there for <laughs> for seven quid, like seven dollars, not even seven quid. Um, and reason, of course, is a whole doll in itself. It's a fantastic piece of software now. Um, any anything else that you've came across during lockdown um, that's of notable mention? And well, uh, anyone isn't aware as well of uh, all the Polyverse stuff. Um, they have a few free plugins on there. Um, I've been using that wider plugin. It's just sort of like a stereo imager. Yep. Um, and just makes um, ju- just a quick plugin to sort of separate things out. Obviously, there's a lot of ones. You know, you'll obviously have a, a stereo imager in your your stock plugin bundle as well but and uh that, lots of people it does the same job for the most part but um i've been using polyverses waiter because mm-hmm. it just sort of seems to have has a nice ui yeah and uh, it's quick to stick on and um i find it like with, with other ones you're you're trying to the only thing i would say is that um in other stereo imagers yeah you get more options in terms of like making a waiter for higher frequencies and oh yes um, which I would I commonly do, but if you're just looking something quick, maybe to stick on the vocals, or um, then and you don't want to get into changing highway certain frequencies or and stuff like that, then um, it, you can't go wrong with a, a free plugin. Not to make it the Isotope show, but I just also do Imager for free, Imager too. Um, That's and right. It's, yeah. it's very very good for making the same thing. Um, uh, I suppose then. Um, we should really start into the show then, Sean. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, what about your, uh, what have you been working on this week? Um, the last few weeks or so, um, I haven't been that busy, partly because of football's back on oh. and partly because I've been a bit lazy the last few weeks. But um, I have been mixing up uh, and trying to finish up a few projects. And last Wednesday there, for the first time, in a few weeks, um, I recorded something new, um, and then apart from that, I've I had been working on a set because uh, I'm starting to uh, with some of the bands and them. We're starting to get ready to do we live stream gigs and stuff. We done one there uh, last Thursday, and um, so there was a wee bit of time put into putting sets together and practicing stuff again because I hadn't been at it. For the last couple of months, yeah. um, so it was rough. But um, most of it, as it says, most of the times just sort of gone into practicing. But a wee bit of um, a wee bit of audio work going in here and there. What about you? Uh, I've been been quite busy. Um, I, I'm sure I've told you before. Our house is, is now up for sale again. Well, it never came off for sale again. But lockdown happened the the Monday after our house went on. Uh, so we're now trying to accommodate house units and go and see how potential houses to buy. So it's a bit like a circus. Uh, so that's been kind of keeping me busy. It's one of the things actually that we'll, we'll talk about later on, things that we're overcoming. Um, but what I'm working on is I'm doing a whole lot of one-to-one stuff with the Given Hands clients. Um, and I've seen a really nice uh, comment from one of the, the clients on a, randomly on the Ableton forum the other day. I just said about, no, actually one-to-ones worked out for me because YouTube, like if you can learn from YouTube for a play, but there's nothing like the structure of, and conversation and being able to ask a question. And I thought that was entirely unprompted and it was a really lovely way to put it and I couldn't have articulated that in the same way. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that stuff. 
a wee bit at the expense of my own writing in all honesty because I just haven't had the time and the mental resource when you're doing a, a two hour one to one session and you're giving your all to help someone else's skill development then you, but at the end of that you're drained you're not going to sit down and start writing music then um, so I've been trying to come up with a new way of working where I can sit down make sure that I've matched on targets that day and then get on with the rest of the day so I'm trying this um, is it Pomodoro, is that how you pronounce that technique? Where you have a very limited amount of time, you go in, you've got a list of stuff to do in that time, and you kind of race through it to get it done. Um, and I'm using yeah. this technique to try and reanimate some old tracks because if I'm not having time to sit down and be creative and come up with something new, I want to be maintaining that cycle, even during all the, the chaos that's going on at the minute, um, so that my own artistic output doesn't suffer because of work commitments that way. Um, so that's been very, very much fun. It, it, it's interesting that you mentioned about the product productivities type of thing because I've got into the thing of trying to create habits for myself yeah. and trying to use sort of external help for that. So I've downloaded um, a wee app called Todoist at the same time as being a to-do list for like general stuff like turn the sprinkler on and you, you have to wash the dishes. I can also put things on it that I want to get done every day. Yeah or every week or every month or on the fifth Tuesday of the month or whatever. Right, yes. Um, so I've been able to put things on that, like, you know, pick up the guitar every day and uh, every Sunday try and make time to uh, work on a project, whether yeah. mixing something or trying to record something new. So mm-hmm. that has sort of, and, and I open that up when I wake up in the mornings and see, oh, right, I've said to myself, I want to, um, or, or even like if I'll put it into my own personal calendar, then if someone yeah. says to me, you know, are you free to do this on Sunday? I go, mm, I was meant to uh, make some time to, to mix. So no, I'm not. So, and, and sort of just, it, it makes sure that I'm leaving time for the habits that I want to filter into life. You make a fantastic point there. And it's about treating your commitment and your skill development like a meeting like an appointment because it's yeah. very easy to neglect that time and say I, i'm free i can do that i can put off what i have planned and and do that but if you make what you need to do your skill development a priority then you'll definitely feel more like you're you're rewarded not even rewarding yourself but you're actually developing in your skill which will give you more motivation to do it again um yeah. i've been doing the same obviously when, when i get up first as soon as i get up in the morning i get um my daughter and then i have uh check her responsibilities until they're about midday um so we're kind of trying to do stuff during having the daughter is not very practical ever and anyone who's ever had a toddler will know that thankfully we're not having to do homework at the minute or school work but um i'm I'm getting very good at building my blocks um so as soon as i get up the first thing i need to do then is kind of work out what i need to get done for the day and then make sure that any time i can carve out is as productive as possible so that's where that Pomodoro technique comes in because I only have 20 minutes and if there's an idea yeah. that I need to work on I can do that so this week I've been breaking that down into tasks well instead of sitting down and trying to write an entire track in 20 minutes that's not practical so I spent one day organizing some drum sounds and the next day organizing some percussion sounds and then the next day organizing some synths so then at the end of that week then I was going in with a, a template already set up of stuff that I could jam out and then for the past two weeks I've been jamming out kind of ideas and then this week I decided, well, I'm still not getting the full idea out in that time, so I'm going to spend each 20-minute session then 
just working on getting the drum groove going and then the next one i'll make some pads out and the next one i'll do some vocal work so i have raw materials to go in almost like create my own loops so i can go in and start patching these things together in 20 minutes that from a stronger source material than half getting ideas out um and it's really just down to the the circumstances i don't have the time to be i don't have as much creative time now so i need to kind of ripple effect it as a go um but it's actually working out quite well and it makes you feel like you're productive the biggest thing though i can probably stress and and all of the productivity things is notepads 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 so you're using your to-do list but I, i'll flash this off very quickly these are my thoughts and if i carry them thoughts with me i forget everything and i'm all sorts of scattered and i need to write everything down just so that i keep on track which i'm sorry on track of what i'm doing um otherwise it just goes to absolute pat uh so the scheduling stuff out writing down at the start of the day everything to do giving everything a time limit and then trying to get through as quickly as possible it's generally how i'm living at the moment um what have you been overcoming this week sean well something i'll even i'll say something that um i've helped someone overcome uh, and this will be sort of my my top tip <laughs> for uh, <laughs> for people um so i had a friend uh who is just sort of starting to get into audio recording uh text me during the week there because they just got an interface off uh amazon and we're trying to record their bass and uh they were trying to record it into um the laptop and we're finding that there was a latency delay mm-hmm. um so uh just for anyone trying to first set up an interface or first set up uh for audio recording and are experiencing some delays whether it's on um, a MIDI keyboard or uh, that if you're just recording off a mic or you're plugging straight into your interface and you're getting some sort of delay when you're recording it. Uh, there's a couple of different ways to tackle it. Um, in his case, um, the problem was, was that he was trying to record with Bluetooth headphones on. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we realized afterwards that um, you know the time delay between the audio coming from in the interface and then from the laptop, connecting over Bluetooth to the headphones uh, was causing the delay. Um, so always record with wired headphones, mm-hmm. if you are using headphones, or with um, with speakers uh, in the house. And uh, the other uh, instances where I've seen that happen as well is when people are using um, to have a buffer speed as well. Yep. Obviously increases the latency of... Um, obviously has better sound quality and and stuff like that. But while recording, uh, you can switch that back on your audio preferences on whatever DAW you're using. Just go low, whether it's mm-hmm. you know 64, um, put it down to 64 just for recording, and then you can push that back up again when you're trying to actually mix that back. Um, is that a, and also is that a tech tip video come? That could that could be a tech tip video, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but uh, I'll just finish the point for now and uh, say that, you know, also if if you're trying to put too many CPU-heavy plugins on while you're recording and have a lot of tracks running with those plugins as well, it's going to give you a bit of latency too. So you might need to turn those off and put the buffer speed down before uh, you go to record. And then you can just switch them back on again when you go to um, listen back. So yes, that's, that's my wee tip great tip um there is also um on some interfaces a playback and direct sound source mix balance um 
So on my Moto, which is actually packed with it, um, there you can listen up to the four inputs at any one time. They've all got their own headphone controls, so that's direct on the way in, so that you don't get any latency. Um, we have uh, smaller cars that we used to use now, so I've actually got one sitting about. Let me go and grab it one second. Okay, so these are uh, Lexicon Alpha cards, are like fifty quid on Amazon. If that, and this bit here, let me hold it up too. Can you see that very well? So we have uh, this bit here, uh, which is our monitor mixer at the bottom here. Um, I might need to flip my screen, but it says playback and direct. And if it's on playback mode, then that's the sound coming directly from the computer. So if you're listening through the computer, you always want to hear a latency. If it's on, sorry, it's on playback mode. Um, if it's on direct, then that's the sound coming directly into the sound card. So you're less likely to hear latency then because you're hearing exactly what's coming on the way in, where that is playback coming from the computer it's going through the computer and it's obviously being recorded and processed before it gets back to you so there's always going to be a delay on that and i th i always found in when i was starting um recording that that was probably the thing that was tripping me up most and it was very uncertain for me as to what that did uh so direct is sound on the way in and playback is sound coming from the computer some sound cards might have a different name from it but it's essentially the same thing there um so uh yes yeah. yeah, so overcoming uh for you is the uh, the, the playback. Uh, for me, it's the um, having to set up and break down the studio every time I need to do some work and keeping consistent with it. But we already spoke about the Pomodoro technique and that would be my top tip, whether it be your to-do list up or just the idea of setting yourself time allocated tasks. It's, it's the quickest way to maintain a, a focus. Um, and I've also, I've been trying to, I've been using this technique to reanimate old tracks purely because, as I say, I don't have as much time to get um, new ideas out so i want to make sure that the work i'm doing is consistent that either the, the songwriting stage or the mixing stage or the finishing stage um and I, I did notice when i was going back into some of these tracks that i was reviewing them and then sometimes i was reimagining them or i was changing them pretty because either i, I listened and assessed and thought well the sounds aren't good enough there or this needs a bit of work or it needs a new lead sound or the vocals being used in it aren't working and sometimes i was kind of re reworking the track in that respect which was against the idea of what I was doing when I was going in to finish them, where instead of reducing my options and getting to a finish point, I was actually increasing my options and thinking that I can continue to add more of these things. And I had to quickly catch myself on and realise that's not the remit of what we're doing here. We're, we're going in to finish. And I think that might be something that, as a songwriter, I, when you're new to constructing um, tracks, that you don't know when to stop. And I think that's a real lesson to be learned as you're developing. How do you deal with that? Yeah, it, it's a it's a meme like that just stay in all those studio meme pages and stuff that it's like um okay we're just going in to record a um, a folk track here and it's like two hours into the <laughs> into the mix later and and you've got like a full orchestra and a brass <laughs> action um synth pods and everything over the top of it um yeah I suppose it's it's hard to say hi to um the combat that it's just to sit and think what does this actually need rather than looking down all your virtual instruments and all your all the possible instruments that you could record and all the different parts and harmonies and stuff and not to look at them and think what could i add but to listen and say what does it need um is the most important thing i find um actually think what's best is actually giving giving the track to someone else or letting someone else listen to it and say what do you think's missing here um, because right. very often then someone will say, 
the chorus is a bit dry. It could need a harmony there, um, or um, it, it needs a few more voices, or that um, it gets a bit boring in that middle late. You know, so then maybe you can ease in a bit more instrumentation, or that the song opens a bit cold, mm-hmm. so make it a bit more impactful, give it more of a bang. Um, or just that it's not that interesting. So maybe you do put like a, a wee pad underneath, uh, something real subtle um, mm-hmm. underneath the chorus bit or something like that. So um, getting that feedback is some is a way that helps me um, get over that. Um, or sometimes if the let's say the, the last chorus or something isn't really hitting any different than the other two, then you have a wee raise that, you know, and, and somebody from the band might say that to me. Um, and so then I'll put a wee razor in just before the last chorus. And then all of a sudden it feels completely different. Yeah. Um, one, one of the things that, uh, that, um, that I always kind of encourage people, especially people who aren't used to finishing songs, um, is that you don't have to like it to finish it. And it's much easier to give that advice than it is to take it. Um, uh, and it's the idea that, okay, so this song is at 80% and I can go on and I can completely rework it. But then it's a different song. And just because I'm not particularly fond of it at the minute, doesn't mean that it's not, it shouldn't be finished. Because there's songs I've heard that I've completely fell out of love with, or maybe they spent too much time on them, or the idea is just no longer exciting. And I haven't heard it maybe a year and a half and it accidentally comes on, or I, I play it, forgetting what it is, and I play it back and think, actually, all that needs is the hi-hat turned down, the bass turned up, and that, that track's finished. And I'm in a different complete headspace from it now, and I re- appreciate the tune just from having distance for it. So yeah. one of the, yeah, it's it's that kind of just finish it, just do what's on your list in the allocated time, and have it finished. That's you finished. Just leave it, and then come back to it at a different time where you're not so emotionally involved in it. That's a that's an interesting discussion in itself. There, because I had this talk with someone recently where I was saying, what what's the balance there between, um. You know, giving the track some love, uh, and and then knowing when to finish a song as well. Right. I tend to leave songs for months and months and go, I'll add a wee bit here, and then forget about it, come back and add a bit more yeah. until I completely get bored with it. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm really trying to finish it. So I wish at some stage there I would be able to just go. You know what? I'm happy enough with where it is now. Let's put it out. You know, it's. It's about sixty percent done, but it'll do. Um, yes. I'm bored with it already. So where where do you where do you like sort of draw the line, or where do you balance it? I think because you straddle both sides of the console, that you're always going to be in that no man's land in that purgatory. So I think traditionally, in an artist sense, anyway. If you were turning up to record an album or even an EP or a studio, you would have written a bunch of songs already before you ever get in the doors of that place anyway because you wanted to maximise your time. So you already had yeah. a bunch of sketches already laid out. So it was about which strong, which songs were the strongest to record, which ones had the most merit. Um, and I think that's the, the more you write, the better you'll get. Or I mean, frequency as in repetition, the more you do something, um, the more you do it, the more likelihood you'll get a better one. Um, and point in case, like your first 10 songs, you'll have a writer absolute tripe, but then number 11, maybe halfway decent enough to make you think number 12 worth adventure, but you get the number 100, you're like, I have a couple of songs out that I actually like. A year later, you'll hit them all again because you're technically better okay. at everything. So the more you do, the better you'll get. And it's more likely you'll, 
um, happen across a good one when you're writing more. So I think your friend's technique of writing it to the point where it's a complete, it has an identity and then moving on sweet because in generating that much ideas, you can only get better ideas from it and your technique and your ability to finish is what's being practiced there. And that's one of the big things actually, it was two weeks ago we worked with the client and I, w I was explaining to him that everybody can start a song and everybody can make changes to noise and everybody can do a kind of a mix to get to an approximation, but no one, really stresses how important it is to actually finish because you don't get better at finishing unless you finish time and time and time again so it's that finishing bit that's very difficult for people i find and it's that collapsing yeah. the options that that i was kind of re-investigating this week of oh i could i could change the song in a hundred different ways but i don't want to change it i want to finish it and i had to limit my options in order to do that then um and of course, at that point, when I was bringing in the reference tracks to mix it, I, I wasn't, I hadn't used the reference tracks I was using at the beginning of the track. So my sound source was different. The the samples I had chosen were different. It was in a different key. So all these things, it was me rediscovering, well, how would I do this? How would I take it from a obscurity, essentially seeing a song for the first time and make it finished without making it different? Does that make sense with a bunch of words? Yeah. No, I, I think sitting in the producer seat, you always think the song you're working on is going to be your masterpiece. And, yes. and you think that way up until the time when it doesn't. <laughs> uh, and, that's, and that happens every time. Um, so I think it's just about knowing when a project should be done and when the sort of just chop it off and just as you said working on that skill of being able to go what steps do I need to take care quickly to get to the to the end point as soon as possible not make the journey any longer yeah it's we're not running a marathon with it I think we're trying to get to the shop to buy some bread and come back again. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go around the city to go to the shop like um yeah I, I suppose the idea there is, is limiting your options a little what, what um what does this track need to finish is probably better than what does this need because what does this need still makes me think I can add so much where if I think uh, what does this need to be finished then there's a different way there's a different approach to me thinking there where it's like how do I close down the options what's not working what things need fixed that's what needs to be finished that's all it, it, it takes and then that song's done um, and it's, it's about sometimes when you get to the end of a project you always hover around the last 80% and then a combination of doubt and boredom and one uh, that starts something new or inspiration for something else creeps in and all of a sudden your vision for what this is drops in priority. So it's about practicing that finishing technique for me. That's a, the thing that I'm kind of working through this week, especially in all these changes of circumstances where I'm, I'm having to work either in headphones or set up a speaker temporarily or um, work on different speaker sets or, or work in different locations. But the the real reward from this even though it's a bit of hardship is being able to deliver consistency and work consistently and use my tools to make sure that my meter is right and to make sure that my referencing is right and having like sonar works on my headphones and on all the speakers too means that there's always an element of consistency so i'm very fortunate to be able to work in those scenarios and i suppose that's part yeah. of you know have, having that backup in place where if you need to deliver how do you make sure you're delivered um and how do you make sure you can continue to work but that's a whole different podcast conversation i think um what's inspiring you this week then um i'll say uh liverpool win the league i why not yeah uh, that, that's 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 give me motivation 
What about you? Um, I, I was born in the Liverpool kit when I was old enough to be taken out by my grandparents. The first thing I did was take me shopping and buy me a Liverpool kit and brought me home in the Liverpool kit. Um, so it's it's almost like a religion um, where you know you're kind of you're born into it. You don't really have a choice. Um, but yeah. in my team in my teenage years, I realised the less attention I played to Liverpool, the more successful they were. So you know, as a fan, <laughs> I just don't engage. <laughs> yeah. So, so so you had the you had to take one for the team and yep, and, just, and just take that back. Not pay any attention for years now. Now they've won the league. They seem to be working out for it. But no, there's a few. You watching any more matches? No, no. <laughs> only watching any game now. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a few things that've been inspiring me this week. Uh, so lockdown changes are happening, which inspires me and makes me quite nervous too. I think I'm my institutionalized and the working from home and being within these walls and only having like one hour walk a day, and I've got kind of mentally used to that. And um, going back into the workplace is going to seem a wee bit strange. And then preparing amps for recording guests and for people coming in and for accessing the building and to make sure that makes sense. There's a whole kind of to-do list of things that need to be worked through and addressed. And then there's also government guidelines that need to be adhered to and making sure that everybody stays safe. So all that's kind of um, to come. Uh, probably the next podcast is going to be about how we do that again, how we bring the public back into the recording space. Uh, but the things that have been exciting me is we went out for a pint on Friday night. Um, we were out viewing houses and on the way back, we, our house was being viewed. So we stopped in and got some dinner and I had a pint of Guinness for the first time in 12 weeks. Yeah. It was delicious, so I had to have a second, Sean. Um, uh, and the next thing then is, is the opportunity that this sounds so vain to get a haircut. I cannot wait to get my haircut. Um, okay. uh, but just being out in public and uh, restaurants being open and then now starting to think about, well, how do you go about getting gigs again and how is the landscape changed and who's booking and how we're going to go about doing that and um, all the uncertainties that are surrounding that. But the fact that things are moving forward is optimistic in itself. Um I have been working in collab with uh, Kevin Moorland, who um, won the AVA um, uh, mix competition last year. Uh, she also had a, a BBC Lockdown broadcast over the weekend there too. We've just finished the first track working together and it sent the tour about a week ago. And I was like, right, leave that for a while and then listen back to it. And then that way you'll have forgot about it enough that if anything you know, jumps out that needs fixed, you send me a message and we'll review that again. And she's get back to me the other day. Says no, listen to that again. Everything sounds buff daddy. <laughs> buff daddy. That's obviously not the collab name. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to be sorting that stuff out as buff daddy, which entertains me greatly. Um, and speaking of stuff getting out, there's been a few people, uh, a few people on my my Facebook page and a few people that I know who have been actually making a fair bit of, of success um, through radio plays and stuff. So big shout out to Richie Blacker, who's been a, a long time um, hard grafting uh, DJ, who's been playing kind of proper house music and progressive house music for uh years and years and years and years and years um he's been releasing on really high profile labels he's been releasing with size he's been releasing with scream and on the weekend there he got two really one plays back to back um on two different shows awesome. so outstanding work by uh richie there um and a, a whole host of people who are claiming up the beatport charts um shout out to um uh, stevie garrett as well i think he had three in the top 100 there um last week if i'm not mistaken wow. on three different releases um Loads of people who are actually grafting, putting stuff out and making moves. And loads of people as well um, in, in scenes that I'm not involved with. Um, 
through different audio groups on on Facebook, I'm seeing that um are streaming to Argentina and are doing mashups and getting picked up by big DJs. And there's a lot of creativity going on during lockdown from from what we part of the world that's going out then to a wider place, and that's very inspiring to see people being successful that way. I love seeing people achieve that. Um, anything else you want to add to that? Um, yeah, I suppose in terms of uh, the scene and stuff, I'm being inspirational. Um, I think uh, there's been a lot of brave people uh, that I've noticed in the in the Belfast scene anyway who have came up and spoke up about abuse that they've sort of mm-hmm. and that they've encountered either a part of uh, the scene or somehow connected. And uh, I know that will have taken a lot of guts and a lot of bravery for them for them to come out and say that and you know the potential backlash that could have potentially came from that you know so i uh, just want to say well done to all those who want to sort of strive to make the scene and um and just gigs in general more accessible to everybody sure. so um well done to, to everyone who um, who did come out and, and share their stories. Well, I suppose we should thank everyone for staying with us to the end. Um, yeah. You can get us on uh, the usual spots on YouTube, uh, on Spotify, on uh, your Apple streaming service or any other streaming service for that matter. Uh, we're on SoundCloud too. Um, and if you've any technical questions or if you've anything that you want us to discuss on future episodes, then by all means, let us know. Um, um, well, I'll hand you over to Sean this week for, the, for, for this month's tech tip. Um, and we will see you then uh, after July. Hi folks, Sean here, and uh, this is going to be a quick uh, wee instructional video on audio latency. And uh, this is for anyone who is really just getting into audio recording and maybe setting up their home studio for the first time. It really it comes off the back of some of my friends and uh, clients and stuff have been on to me over lockdown. They may have just ordered their first interface and I've had a few issues setting that up. One of them that keeps coming up is audio latency. So I'm gonna run you through some of the tips I've been giving them to try and combat that because um, it is a real issue, you know. Um, when you're trying to record, especially if you're performing something, uh, singing, playing guitar, whatever, if, if you've got a MIDI keyboard, you know, if you're playing something and you're hearing it back a few milliseconds later, it's gonna really dampen the performance. It's almost unplayable, you know, to, to try and keep in time and uh, it's just really distracting as well. So I'm gonna try and help you uh, to eliminate that from your process. Uh, so the first tip I'm going to say is uh, that uh, some of my friends have been trying to set up uh, their recording uh, by you know plugging the interface into the, the computer, but they have been setting the output to um, some sort of Bluetooth device, whether it's like their AirPods or um, a pair of wireless headphones or a wireless speaker or something. And that might be all right if uh, you're just listening back to a track. Maybe you're just, you know, uh, you've got everything and put it on a piano roll and you're just hearing it back and you don't mind if there's a delay. Um, but if you're trying to record something and uh, the input noise is uh, giving you some sort of delay or... Um, latency issue then uh yeah that's the bluetooth device just plug in a set of wired headphones um uh, wired monitors and uh, would be the best bet for you um but yeah that um helped one of my friends uh get uh his latency gone and seems real obvious but um that's the first one anyway for you um 
I would say keep your um, your device, your computer clean as much as possible. Uh, so uh, if you're using an older device and uh, it can't handle the processing uh, part of the audio, then, you know, don't know what to say to you, but um, it mightn't be up for the task. But um, most modern computers should be able to handle um, most DAWs and their processes. So, um, and shouldn't be giving you too much latency issues. So um, if you have a modern device and it's still running slow, um, it could be just that it's bunged up. It's got a lot of junk in it and uh, you just need to optimize the computer, clear out any unwanted stuff, um, clear out any unused software and stuff like that. And I'm sure for our people getting into um, st uh, studio recording and stuff like that, that's gonna be a hard task because all you wanna do is record or install new software and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it really affects the performance of the computer and could affect that audio latency. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about buffer speed um, because uh, this is one that um, I would uh, fix myself every now and then. I go between different buffer speeds, whether I'm mixing or recording. For me, uh, and this doesn't really affect my performance, I've been setting my buffer size to 64 when I'm tracking. Um, so 64 samples. And that allows me to have a 7.6 millisecond Output at a 10.5 millisecond round trip it takes for my audio to process and get to my ears. But uh, 64 seems sweet for me, and uh, and I've been able to play along with it. Uh, fine enough. You can't just uh, bump that up to 256, 512, whatever. Um, once you go back to mixing and you're not tracking anything anymore. But you'll see as I change this, um, go up to 1024. Here it's going to be a 54 millisecond round trip. Um, to process your audio in that case, which um, it's going to be more than half a second, which will definitely put you off while recording. So uh, that's the second one. And by the way, you can find that in your audio preferences on whatever DAW you're using. The last thing I'm going to mention is um, is plugins and stuff, because uh, we can also always get pretty caught up in um, adding more and more effects uh, to our chain when we are recording. And uh, some people like to record their vocals with a bit of compression on the way in. Um, they like to have some inline processing like reverb and stuff while they're recording. And that's fine, but if it is affecting latency, then you know more than likely that could be a source for that latency. So try uh, taking out your reverb, taking off your compression, um, or, you know, there, there's some of those um, really big CPU heavy inputs and, uh, or sorry, inserts and audio effects that are going to affect that processing speed uh, and will cause latency. So you just have to turn them off and see if that affects it. And if it does, um, then you might have to just find some sort of alternative or have them turned off while you're recording but hopefully they have fixed your audio latency issues and uh, feel free to drop us a comment or a message if um if there's anything else you discover along your journey that helps uh, fix audio latency issues and let us know if any of these helped as well uh, thanks very much folks and i'll see you in the next podcast